there's a, an awareness within me that witnesses my humanness and that I would call my spiritual self, my, my even my soul. I never, ever had a relationship with that part of me before. And as I discovered that and strengthened that, that is my safe harbor every single day now. It's if I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or worried, I only have to put my hand on my heart and breathe and remember the truth of who I am. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with influencers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good in all kinds of interesting ways. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is one of the scientifically proven ways we can age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and my book, Not Just Chatting, How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at upcoming episodes and other fun tidbits. If you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. And our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at JudyBanker.com. Well, we have a fantastic interview for you today. By now, we've all heard the term self-love, but what is it really? Is it treating yourself to a mani-pedi, buying an expensive handbag? It turns out that true self-love is more in line with self-compassion, which has been proven to help heal depression, anxiety, and trauma. My interview with one of the founders of the self-compassion movement, Kristen Neff, is well worth a listen. As a psychotherapist, I found that cultivating self-love is a truly powerful way to create inner peace and freedom. And I'm so into it that I'm taking a course about how to integrate these skills in my psychotherapy practice. Today, we're going to speak with Katie Phillips, who transformed her own very painful life circumstances using self-love. Katie is the founder of the School of Self-Love, and she's a women's empowerment master coach, love and dating mentor, and the author of The Self-Love Affair, A Woman's Guide to a Daring and Mighty Life. Her focus is helping midlife women create new a new kind of life, which helps them answer the question, what do you want now? Welcome to the show, Katie. Hey, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm ex- so excited to talk to you. You really uh, know from <laughs> what what you say. You have a history that I think many, many people would uh, really appreciate as very traumatic, very painful. And yet here you are. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like what 
what you've done is really figured out a way to transform your pain with self-love. Can you talk a little mm. bit about that process? Yeah, <laughs> we teach what we need to learn, don't we, Nicole? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think I really, really believe that those of us who are called to teach, to guide others, uh, to coach as, as I do, where I really believe that from a spiritual perspective, where we're given opportunities and experiences in our life to go perhaps deeper into our own healing than perhaps a lot of people ever have to, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. that, so that we're in the position to be able to teach and, and coach and guide others. I had a very beautiful, I really want to be clear, I had a really beautiful childhood. I was a very privileged girl to grow up on the northern beaches of Sydney. And I thought I had the perfect family um, up until I was about 16 when things began to unravel. And it turned out that you know, my parents were deeply codependent. My dad had addiction issues, um, very specifically with alcohol. My mom was suffering depression and anxiety, and she actually ended up taking her own life when I was 22. So from the age of sort of 16 to 22, a lot very quickly unraveled. And I came to see that my, my parents were masters at, at keeping up appearances and smiling and pretending like everything was okay when actually it was everything other than. And uh, they had some difficult emotional pieces to deal with. And without going into all of the detail, you know, we all, all of us, we, we learn from our parents, don't we? We learn from the people around us who influence us. And I received a lot of conditioning and deep programming around how to show up in the world from them. Mm -hmm. So said with so much love, there's no blame. But you know, I, I learned how to have a relationship being codependent, I learned codependency, I learned people pleasing, I learned how to not address my emotional issues, and instead cover them up by avoidance tactics, <laughs> like overworking, like drinking, like binging on Netflix. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and were you the, are you the only child? No, I have, a, I have a sister who's a, she's 13 months younger than me and we're incredibly close, almost twin-like, even though there's that year between us. Um, but, uh, and we had different experiences of our childhood, you know, how it affected me differed to how it affected my sister. Uh, interestingly, we've both come out as women's empowerment coaches though. <laughs> Mm. So, was it helpful? But, I mean, did you support one another through this pain or did you feel more like you were on your own I think, trying to figure this out? I think, to be honest, I genuinely don't think we were fully aware of the pain and what was going on until mum died. Mm -hmm. So while, I mean, she, she attempted suicide when I was 17, so my sister would have been 16, and that was really difficult. And there was a lot of really difficult stuff going on for several years. But it's funny how you don't know what you don't know. And we normalized so much um, that yeah, there was so much going on in our family that we normalized. And it wasn't until mum died that we really... You couldn't deny it anymore. You longer. couldn't deny it. And it was at that point that we absolutely had each other's back and we have done since. I mean, we are the closest of friends and 
And we talk deeply about our childhood and experiences that brought us to a place of both of us doing very, very deep healing work, which invited us both to learn how to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this, is it you know, was that important part of your healing is having your sister there to do it along with you? Well, now it is, but in the beginning, we I started my journey before her, mm. so it was. Uh, and by the way, I live in the UK; she's in Australia. So for twenty one years, we actually haven't lived in the same country. So we're very close, mm-hmm. albeit from a distance. And so we've been journeying mm-hmm. on our own, but we check in with each other very regularly, if not daily. And we're very, very, very much there for each other. Yes. But we have very different experiences and we heal. We're healing different things with different perspectives because we would, you know, the, uh, me as the eldest child had different, felt different responsibilities than she did as the younger child. And mm-hmm. we both carry wounding sense. from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we were both called to self-love uh, in, in different ways. And for both of us, you know, self-love has been an invitation into deeply knowing ourselves, having deep kindness and compassion for ourselves, understanding what our traumas and triggers and wounding have been, and learning ways of overcoming that so that we can live the life we really feel like we're meant to live, you know? Do you remember when you started considering that self-love was an option? Because that's not something that Mm. is natural for many women. In fact, working with my therapy clients, you know, they can really struggle with the concept and Mm. and where to begin. Do you remember when you said, I need to try something different? I remember the moment vividly. It was that, it was an absolute moment of pure clarity when I, I had a day, I was on literally, I mean, literally on the floor with anxiety and feeling like I couldn't take another step forward. My son was three, I think at the time, he was in nursery that day. And I went to my bedroom, I closed the curtains, I closed the door, I got into bed, I took Valium and I genuinely didn't wanna come out of that room ever again. Mm. Um, And it was a horrible, horrible, painful moment. But I realized in that moment, that's exactly what my mom did the day she died. So I I had just broken up with a boyfriend and I was in his house and I had days to sort myself out and get out of there and find somewhere else to live. And at Mm -hmm. this point, I didn't have anywhere to go and I didn't have a car. Mm. And at that moment, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money in the bank and I felt utterly destitute with a three-year-old. Oh my goodness, a cri- true, it, true crisis. It was a proper, <laughs> mm. it was that proper rock bottom moment. But I realized when I was in that bedroom feeling the way I was feeling that I had unconsciously repeated my mom's patterns of behavior because the day my mom died, she had just broken up with her boyfriend. She didn't know where she was going to go. Uh, she wasn't working at that point either, and and she was she was forty nine, so I was, I was a bit younger. I was in my late thirties when I had this experience, but she was forty nine, and thinking like 
I don't know where to begin and I don't know what to do. And she took her own life in that moment. And I'd spent a solid decade doing everything in my power to not be like mom. To not, not that she, she was a beautiful woman. I, I wanted to replicate all her beautiful qualities, but I didn't <laughs> want to end up depressed, anxious, mm-hmm. and suicidal. Like I was, mm-hmm. I, I, and the harder I tried, the, I tried so hard to not end up like her. And yet there I found myself on that bedroom floor, feeling the way I felt, wanting the world to go away. And I realized that I was a product of my conditioning. Like I realized that I was a puppet and unconsciously I had ended up exactly where I didn't want to be. I've come to understand that what we resist persists. And the more I tried to not be like her, actually I was creating that experience because I was operating in the world in reaction to my wounding rather than owning my pain and healing my pain so that I could actually show up differently in the world. But And being with yourself, um, yeah. keeping yourself company in a sense in your pain rather than trying to avoid and escape right. it because it was so, so awful. It, it, it was. And, and I definitely didn't have the language in my head of, okay, Katie, it's time to learn to love yourself. That, <laughs> right. that wasn't the language. The language, it, what went off in my brain was, gosh, you have become your mom, no matter how you mm. tried, you've ended mm. up in exactly the same situation as she did the day she died. There's something going on here. You don't understand how this has happened, but it's clear that you've learned to do life one way and you have to learn to do life a different way. What does that way look like? And I had absolutely no clue where to begin, but I was incredibly determined to find a way because I had that young child Mm -hmm. and I was very, very motivated to not put him in a similar situation to you know, what happened with me and my mum. So I got out of bed and I went and picked him up from nursery and I carried on that day. And and the journey began with self-care because I didn't know what else to do. I just knew that I needed to nurture myself and, and take care of my physical body. So all I knew to do was to ha- have a nice bath in the evening and light some candles and go for a walk and uh, eat Be healthier, nice to yourself. Be, just be <laughs> a little kinder to myself. And, and that's honestly mm-hmm. where it began. Because this wasn't, it's not like you were a psychotherapist or in the field. You no. were doing uh, international events. Yeah. Uh, am I, am I yeah. right about so, that? So you right. weren't surrounded by all of this talk. and <laughs> No. And that's <laughs> the irony, Nicole, because so there I was a corporate girl. And yes, I'd had some therapy, uh, especially after my mom died. I had a little bit of therapy, not much. I had a little bit of therapy towards the end of the relationship uh, with my son's father before that ended. Uh, but I, I was very new to the world of personal development. I did not have a spiritual relationship or connection with myself. I I'd actually rejected the church about probably around the time my mom died. I, I, you know, there was, I, I was kind of just going through the motions, being a good corporate girl and, and smiling and keeping up appearances. And to everybody else, I definitely looked like I had this wonderful, successful life, but the way I felt on the inside was a completely different story. And, uh, 
And you had I, no choice. It's like you ran out of options. And it reminds me of the story Kristen Neff talks about in grad school after a horrible, you know, in the midst of a horrible divorce, just saying, I can't keep going like this. What yeah. else is out there? Yeah. Uh, really, as you say, hitting bottom and saying, I've got to figure something out because this is not sustainable. I don't want to mm. live if living looks like this. That's right. That's right. And I was fast tracking to that space of not wanting to be living anymore, which terrified me. Yeah, it was terrifying. So how do we find a way forward? You know, <laughs> how was it that I came to understand that my work was to love myself? It's, um, I, I, I'm a big believer that for all of us, wherever we begin, as soon as we make that decision that no matter what, I'm going to figure out a different way, that life shows us that different way. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's why nobody can tell anybody the step-by-step -step process of their own recovery, of their own healing and transformation. Uh, we can have guides along the way, but you will find your own process. And for me, it was, mm -hmm. you know... Beautifully, life guided me to a, a guided meditation that would guide me to a book. It then guided me to another therapist. It guided me to a coach. It guided me to the Hoffman process. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't um, know about that. Yeah, it was a, at the time, it was a seven day intensive experience with a group of about 30 people. Um, and it was, you know, it was a huge, I had experienced a huge spiritual awakening while doing the Hoffman process. And it introduced me to this concept of self-love. And it introduced me to concepts such as what you think is what you are creating in your life mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how you feel is a reflection of what you're thinking and that we can have the power to change our thoughts through understanding where they've come from, from often going right back in time to childhood experiences where we made certain things mean something about ourselves, our lovability, our enoughness, and so on. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a beautiful journey of, of inner child healing, actually, the Hoffman process. And, you know, and I was guided to all sorts of different modalities and tools that had me awaken to the fact that I can be in charge of what I think and how I feel and what I experience in the world. And I never ever set out to become a you know a teacher and a coach in the personal development space to write a book to create my own series of guided meditation albums I honestly it still pinch me to <laughs> realize that this is where I've come to but you know I really believe life threw all sorts of curveballs my way so that I could do this work and I could do it from a place of having really been there done it got the t-shirt you know <laughs> <laughs> you're not just talking the talk you i have you been in the really, trenches baby <laughs> you've been in the trenches yeah hi everyone if you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. 
And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. What were some of the signs that things were transforming for you? What started to shift? Mm. One of the most profound pieces of all of this for me was my connection with what I call my true self. So not my ego, not my titles, uh, not my name, Katie Phillips. <laughs> Just this sense of, there's a, an awareness within me that witnesses my humanness and that I would call my spiritual self, my, my, even my soul. I never, ever had a relationship with that part of me before. And as I discovered that and strengthened that, that is my safe harbor every single day now. It's if I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or worried, I only have to put my hand on my heart and breathe and remember the truth of who I am. And all of the stuff and the noise and the to-do lists and the, the challenges of life just fall away because in that moment I'm present and connected to the truth of me. And I, I feel safe there and I can trust that space. Mm -hmm. And... I never, ever had that depth of that safety and trust just to sit here in my chair now and know that I'm enough and I'm okay. Like I, I never, ever had that before and I've never let it go. And I, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I've attained it and you can't lose it. You know, it's, it's something to be, mm. I, you know, it's something to be nurtured daily for sure and I and I tap into it as a regular practice without that connection to my true self when I and when I'm not connected to my true self I find life really quite challenging but life feels a lot easier when I come from that place what does that look like in your relationships when you're truly sort of self-aware and you have a place to a safe harbor, which is your own, I guess we could call it your own essence. Mm. How mm. does that change relationships? It 
it just allows me to show up in a relationship being fully who I am. When I tap into that part of me, that safe place that feels like home, I'm not cutting off from my partner. I'm not, I'm not cutting off from the people around me. All I'm doing is allowing myself, my energy to come from that deep place. So they're getting the best of me. Like it's like the, the the more I can relate to that part of me, the more intimacy I have with that part of me. And it's a very vulnerable experience in in a beautiful way. Like it's it's the most raw and honest experience of myself. As I can do that for myself, people that I'm in relationship with can feel that from me. So they're getting the truest, most authentic, aligned version of me. And which feels good for them because there's no wall there. Like when my walls come up, I'm obviously not connected to my true self. When my mm-hmm. walls and barriers we, come I up. I would call it defenses yeah, and, and exactly. practice. Yeah, exactly. When my defenses mm-hmm. come up, when I'm pushing away, I know myself well enough to know, okay, I'm, I'm coming from a place of ego. I'm coming from a place of fear. I'm coming mm-hmm. from a place of pain and wounding. And that's okay. That's the human experience. I have my tools and techniques to to move into awareness around that you know what is that about how can i you know how how can i move with that but if if you're asking me how does my relationship with my true self affect my relationships with others it allows them to experience me from a place of love and compassion and peace and is is it's a beautiful place to come from um and it allows me to be more vulnerable with them as well because I'm being vulnerable with myself. And um, yet you feel safe, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing that's, it's not, I guess not a paradox, but the truth is that you're vulnerable, but you know that you're safe and solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm coming from that place, I'm able to be fully who I am with the person I'm with in that moment so I can speak my truth because I'm safe in who I am to say what I think and feel. I'm safe in who I am to ask for what I want. And if they don't like it or they reject it or they judge me for it, and that's the, the greatest human fear, isn't it, of being rejected for the mm. truth of who we are, for speaking mm. our truth and mm-hmm. having our needs met. If I'm rejected, that's okay. I've got me. I'm okay. And that's their journey. I can mind my own business. I, my business is to take care of me first and foremost, and they will receive the best version of me as a result. And if they don't like that version of me, <laughs> well, you can tolerate yeah, that can, everybody is not going to love you and totally. think you're, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's so tricky. And that's something that, you know, my clients many of them struggle with, well, what if they don't like me? Yeah. And and, and so do I. I mean, I'm human, you know, like (laughs) I'm not some kind of so evolved, (laughs) enlightened person that I don't feel the pain of being human. And I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I, I don't like the feeling of rejection and I'm okay. Like, I'm okay if I can I can notice that 
my my ego my humanness is is upset but fundamentally I'm okay and that's the difference mm-hmm. between my mum and I you know what we were you know my poor mum she didn't have that foundational sense of self so when when it all went wrong for her another relationship had ended she found herself on her you know she found herself in a place that was that felt so uncertain she couldn't retreat to the safety of her own inner mm-hmm. self she didn't have that to fall back on and really that's been like her suffering in that has been my a, a gift to me and and a gift that I can pass on to you know thousands of women now in the work I've been doing it's um bless her heart she she I really feel like that she's you know her life was sacrificed so that so many others could learn to deepen their relationship with themselves and love themselves so they can have a different experience of themselves and life. It sounds like you have deep compassion for your mom's suffering. Oh my goodness. I mean, where do I even begin? Yes. Immense compassion, immense gratitude. I miss mm-hmm. her. I mean, it's 20, I don't know how many years and has gone by now. I've lost track 25. It's, um, and I miss her deeply all the time. And I, I wish I could have a cup of tea and a scone with her, you know. Mm. Uh, she was an amazing, amazing woman. And she was so loved by so many. And she was a fantastic mother. And she did her best. Mm-hmm. And she suffered in silence. You know, at, at her funeral, the majority of people there said, I didn't know she was suffering. Nobody mm. knew. They just knew that they thought she was just as happy <laughs> Mm-hmm. But behind closed doors, she was suffering, and so many people are. Yes, and in that generation, right? You didn't talk about it. No, no, we didn't. And we've—I've come to understand now with my own perimenopause journey, and and so on. I've come to understand that actually, what would have been going on for Mum on top of a, a number of life circumstances that had her feeling depressed she was also in perimenopause and I, mm. I feel strongly that she was suffering depression and anxiety as a result of hormonal imbalances that were being treated with antidepressants. So, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, <laughs> there was, there's a whole other piece there that was going on for her, which um, I have huge compassion for. Mm-hmm. I think many women are listening to this and saying, wow, that sounds wonderful. I would love to have a different relationship with myself. I'm aware that, you know, I'm too hard on myself, but wow, I don't even know where to start. What would you right. say to them? We start with a bit like, well, exactly like my situation on that bedroom floor that day. It starts with a decision uh, that. I desire to get to know myself. And there's a prayer that could go with that. So the prayer that I would use, and, and prayer might not be your language, it might be mantra or, or just a statement, but the sentence is, even though I don't know where to start, I'm willing to be shown. Mm. And it's just opening yourself up energetically to being guided. You're just setting the intention. And that statement, fueled with the emotion of that the sort of unapologetic emotion of no matter what I am so so ready to find a different way Mm -hmm. I'm so ready I'm so done with feeling the way I do I'm done with Mm -hmm. not feeling enough I'm done with 
dysfunction in my relationships. I'm, I'm done with whatever the piece is. I'm done with feeling less than. And I want to be the woman I came here to be. Like that emotion, even though I don't know where to begin, I'm willing to be shown. And that's while I didn't use that statement back then on the bedroom floor, I didn't know I was doing this. But I set the intention, I'm going to figure out a way. I don't know how, but I'll get up off the floor and and see what happens. That's literally, that's sort of where I was at. There's a surrender about that too, that I'm not going to engineer this. I'm not going to make this work. I'm going to be open and allow. Absolutely. And you can't, you just cannot engineer your healing Mm-hmm. In fact, who do you think you are to think you could, right? It's <laughs> because ultimately, I mean, from my experience, the deepest and most profound healing and transformation I've had and that I've witnessed in my clients has has been a, a deep heart healing. It's a spiritual healing. There's an actual sort of spiritual shift. It becomes cellular. And when mm. you experience healing like that, you're not doing the healing. You're not thinking your way through a healing. You're not mm. following some mm. step-by-step process. It feels miraculous and magical because it's something, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> gosh, it's hard to even put into words, mm-hmm. but I, I really believe that something greater than us com- sort of aligns with our spiritual essence and and creates a healing mm. it's, and you know it for it, us. my experience with with this with using self-compassion employing self-compassion is you feel it down to your toes yeah it's not just oh i'm no longer grouchy or i feel less anxious it's like i love your expression it's cellular yeah it is. But your humanness, you're going to get grouchy, mm-hmm. right? And, and in mm-hmm. that moment of I'm grouchy, self-compassion, self-love invites you to love the part of you that's grouchy. Because mm-hmm. I am grouchy is you're not grouchy. You're, you fundamentally, you, you are not grouchy. You're feeling grouchy. There's a part of you that's feeling grouchy. Can you love that part of you mm-hmm. it doesn't define mm-hmm. your grouchiness doesn't mm-hmm. define you <laughs> that would be the shame statement i am grouchy no can i love the part of me that's grouchy mm-hmm. can i love the part of me that doesn't feel good enough right now can i love that part of me mm. those are great questions the curious questions to start mm. with instead of saying what's wrong with me i'm ungrateful you know i'm overreacting i'm oversensitive all of this yeah the questions you're you're proposing can i be with it can i say yep that's where i am right now okay yeah yeah and and maybe some self-inquiry you know as, as we get to know ourselves more and more we come to understand maybe where the grouchiness has come from. Mm-hmm. Like what are you defending yourself against and what is the vulnerable piece that you're trying to protect? And mm-hmm. does did that originate when you were four years old? It was the, you know, you can start to draw the lines and understand. And with that, that self-awareness, you can have compassion for that part of you that's reacting in that way mm-hmm. in that moment. But it's not mm-hmm. who you are. It's just a wounded part of you perhaps. Katie, can you tell our audience where to find out more about your work? Sure. So we're 
everywhere as the school of self dot love. So that's our website, mm-hmm. as our Instagram at the school of self dot love. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. You'll find us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you have um, a, a book. Yeah, um, yeah. The book is um, that's available on Amazon. It's called The Self Love Affair: A Woman's Guide mm-hmm. to a Daring and Mighty Life. And it's actually it's a workbook in its own right. And you know, to to take it a step further, when you were asking me, where does a woman begin? That that book is actually the work that I went through. So, mm-hmm. and I yeah, I've I've laid it out in a step by step. Of course, every every woman is going to have her own experience of it, but it mm-hmm. takes you through creating self-awareness it takes you through uh forgiveness processes uh and healing uh healing your inner child uh, beginning to grasp what it is you want to create for your life because so many women especially in midlife aren't aren't clear on what they want uh Mm -hmm. and then and how to then go for it so it's a real journey of self-awareness healing and then moving you forward into creating the kind of life that you want to live Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such an important conversation, one that we will be continuing. And I so appreciate your work and your time, Katie, and your energy. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and it was delightful to speak with you. And I'm looking forward to our collaboration. Well, we have so much more to say on this topic, don't mm-hmm. we, Nicole? <laughs> we certainly do. So much more. Thank you. Thank you and good luck on uh, your continued work. And um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.